There were others who were not scholars or scientists who came up with more unusual solutions. One English clergyman devised what he called the time on tiptoe method. He proposed to map a row of stars and then compare them to a series of imaginary skylines. He called this the time on tiptoe method because, he foolishly reasoned, the stars moved so fast a sailor would have to run quickly on tiptoes to measure the distance between them and an imaginary skyline. Another man claimed to have discovered a miraculous powder that could heal wounds at a distance. He suggested sending an injured dog to sea, but keeping some of the dog's used bandages in the home port. Every day, at a known time, the healing powder would be sprinkled on the bandages. He was certain the dog on the ship would bark at the very same instant, telling the captain what time it was back home. But what would happen if the dog got well? Would the barking clock stop barking? A man named John French invented his own preposterous solution, which involved using a brass plate with a compass needle and building a fire on deck. Not only was it dangerous, the ship could have caught fire, it had nothing to do with the measurement of longitude. But one man had an idea that was much more sensible than bleeding dogs, running on tiptoes, or building fires, and much simpler than the lunar measurements of learned astronomers. A Curious Boy John Harrison was 21 years old when the Longitude Prize was announced. He knew full well the dangers of the sea. The village where he lived was near the bustling port of Hull. As a boy, he was one of the bell ringers in the village church of Barrow. His sense of hearing was so good that he was asked to tune the church bells. Soon he was tuning the bells of a neighboring church as well. But bells were only John Harrison's hobby. His real work, like his father's, was carpentry. He knew wood, and he knew simple mathematics. He knew these things from experience, not from a formal education. John was curious about how things worked. When a visitor lent him a book of lectures on mathematics and Isaac Newton's laws of motion, John copied out every single word. But he also liked to figure things out for himself. So he tested Newton's basic principles of motion. Would a heavy ball roll down a hill faster than a light ball? Does the ball gain speed as it rolls down the hill? Would the clapper in a bell swing faster if it was shorter or if it weighed more? John Harrison proved each and every principle for himself. From Bells to Clocks John Harrison began to realize that bells and pendulum clocks were similar. The swinging action of the bell marked the passage of time, just as the pendulum regulates the motion of a clock. He decided to build a clock. Perhaps clock building interested him because it was a way of combining his hobby, bells, with his real work, carpentry. Some people, however, snickered at the very idea of a carpenter's son making a clock. Clocks were rare and made of valuable materials such as brass. John could not afford much brass, so he used mostly wood. The larger clock wheels he cut from oak, 
and the smallest gears, spindles and axles, from boxwood. He completed his first clock by the time he was twenty. Within the next four years, he had built two more pendulum clocks. As his reputation grew, he was hired to build a clock in the tower of a new stable on a wealthy landowner's estate. He made a remarkable timepiece that showed the precise time from its airy perch, its wheels and gears hidden in the rafters, sharing space with roosting pigeons. With each new clock, John Harrison made improvements. He began to use a very hard wood, lignum vitae, which had its own natural oils, so that his clocks never needed to be lubricated.